It's time for the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Let's mix it up with a breakdown of some local, regional, and national sports with Nick Verzellini and Colin McLaughlin. It is Tuesday, January 9th, 2024. <clears throat> here on this Sports Mix, um, here on the Sports Mix, Nick Verzellini, Colin McLaughlin, Dylan Bishop here on the show. Lots to get into on the show today. We got high school girls basketball from last night to talk about. Um, some interesting games here in the Eastern Panhandle. And then, of course, boys basketball going on tonight. We have some big matchups tonight as well as uh, some standing or some poll results going on. WVU's in action tonight against Kansas State. The Wolverines win the national championship. And it's Hot Take Tuesday. Yeah. We're ready. Are you? Yes. Good. Of course I'm ready. Well. I'm in a great mood now. You don't seem ready. It's Hot Take Tuesday. Rum Cake is in the building. Rum And cake? our show is brought to you by Brown Funeral Home and Cremations. Robert Fields and Sons family-owned full-service funeral home. Probably serving our area since 1880. You'll have to get ready if you stay ready, Nick. Well, that's like Dylan it. Bishop. But that's right. But Colin had to get ready. I mean, I could have got more ready and had the rum cake before the show instead of after the show. Why didn't you? Because I'm responsible at times. I'm glad you picked this time as one of those times. <laughs> You're welcome. I'd rather, Colin, you be irresponsible. Not today. <laughs> we can get a little hectic in here sometimes. Maybe we'll we take, can. Maybe like, during hot takes. I was going to say, in between, in between segment three and four, that two-minute break, let's go <laughs> scarf down some rum cake before <laughs> hot take Tuesday. There you go. That doesn't sound like a great idea. Sounds like a great idea, but also a bad idea. So we'll see what happens. All right. Well, let's get into it. Last night, Washington beating Spring Mills in a sloppy game, 60 52. I mean, they had a big lead and, and kind of let it slip there toward the end. But overall, I felt like Washington played pretty well. Um, but I, Spring Mills, I thought, battled as well. Um, but it just wasn't, you know, a, a great game at times. There was a lot of walks throughout the game some turnovers that were ill-advised um so i think both teams could do a lot better in some areas but it was still entertaining it was still um you know competitive last night and and relatively high scoring so i think those were some positives but uh the turnovers and, and some of the travels were certainly negatives to take away from the game but overall washington gets the win 60 52 um and they remain undefeated in the EPAC as they try to establish themselves as the top team like we kind of expected in the preseason. Musselman gets a win over Jefferson 59-42. Yeah, I think you can best describe that game last night by the fact that Coach Edwards in his post-game interview with us, that Washington won the game pretty handily, like pretty convincingly, even though the final score looks pretty close. And he came over and told us he was not happy with his team's performance at all. So I think that kind of describes the game there. Spring Mills and Washington both. lots, Like you said, Nick, lots of turnovers. Bad defense and transition, really, by both teams. But, you know, Washington still looked pretty good, I'd say, overall, in terms of the potential for the rest of the season going forward. It was a sloppy game. They were missing Harrison, their point guard. But you saw the potential there with Rivera and Adams and some of the role players around them to where you would say that you feel 
like they can have a, a season somewhat like what they did last year, potentially. Now, their record so far this year, not very good, but they've been challenging themselves with the competition outside of the state. And, you know, Spring Mills and Hedgesville is who they've played so far in the EPAC. <laughs> and that's probably the bottom tier of the EPAC. So there's still those other teams that measure themselves up against. And like you said, Musselman getting the win over Jefferson. Musselman seems like the team to beat in the EPAC, potentially. Now, we'll see what happens when the, the, the all the teams actually play each other once, you know, compared to last year's results, last year's teams to this year. But you have a little more confidence in Musselman at this point. Yeah, a lot of teams are still unknown on the girls' side of things. Our game last night, it just seemed like both sides, whenever they played too fast is when they were at their worst. Very sloppy start. Spring Mills had the lead, but you still knew just how talented Washington was that they should be able to get that lead that they did have there in the second, third quarter. I think it was almost a 20-point lead. And just late in the game, they mm-hmm. decided to kind of play too fast again, take shots on the offensive end within five seconds of getting the ball. And that's what allowed Spring Mills to kind of come back, make the final score close, even though ultimately it never felt like a close game. Some unnecessary fouls there late in the game too, which was very frustrating to see if you're a Washington fan. But you still got the win, no matter how ugly it may have been. And again, you're 2-0 and in the conference. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I think the uh, concern for Washington is they're pretty experienced at this point. While they have a lot of underclassmen in terms of their juniors for the most part, um, you know, they've played in some big games. They made it to the state tournament. You would expect this team to be a little bit cleaner, uh, especially in games against a young Spring Mills team that's rebuilding. So I think that's the concern if you're a Washington fan or a member of the Washington team is we've played in the state tournament if you're Washington. You know, they've been there. They've been in those moments and didn't perform like a team that was going up against a one-win Spring Mills team that is very young, has some players that you know, probably should still use another year of JV, but don't have enough players to field both teams and lost all of their players from last year. So I think from that perspective, it's pretty disappointing. If you're a Spring Mills fan or player or member of that team, um, you're pretty optimistic about how things played out last night because you competed against Washington. You got yourself back into the game late. You battled the entire way. So there was a lot of good things for Spring Mills, even though they still played pretty sloppy and they still had a lot of things they need to work on. So that's kind of my big takeaway from it. How does Washington perform more like the team we saw toward the end of last year and where we know they can be, opposed to the team that's you know young and inexperienced? So I think that's what we need to see from them moving forward. But yeah. good win for Musselman last night. We didn't see the game. A little bit closer on that side, too, than maybe you would expect. But Jefferson seems to be getting a little bit better in a uh, 59-42 loss for them. Yeah, Musselman going out, led by freshman Emily Stevens with 19 points. Avea Thompson and Sarah Price had 10 points each as well in the win. And the Musselman are red hot right now, the Lady Appleman. Five-game win streak, 8-2. and two. And you said it last night, you still... At least Dylan said, maybe put Washington 
at the top on the girls' side, even though there's still a lot of unknown on the girls' side. Nick, you said you might put Mosselman up there. Yeah, I mean, they've been the best team record-wise. I think Washington has the, the talent. They were there last year, so you had the expectation that they were going to be the best. But in terms of night-in and night-out performances, we're always seeing Musselman there. They played a relatively tough schedule, and they've competed pretty well. So, I think it's absolutely fair to put Musselman up there in the top <clears throat> spot. We'll see what happens when these two play each other. Yeah. But I think I think that's pretty fair. Yeah, the 22nd is when Washington Musselman play each other. Mm-hmm. Four days before that is when Musselman plays Martinsburg, the 18th. So, Yeah, so we'll see. You know, the girls' side is very much where we think we know where things are going to go, but there's still a lot of basketball left to be played, and I think these other teams could get better enough where you see them possibly pull off an upset come playoff time. So, Sure. I think um, – Things are pretty interesting right now on both sides, but the girls' side, we're starting to maybe see uh, where we think things are going to go, and and we'll see how it plays out, but definitely looking forward to it. Take our first break here on today's edition of the Sports Mix. This segment brought to you by Parsons Ford and Martinsburg at 1400 Shepherdstown Road and online at ParsonsFord.com. They became number one by making you number one first. Parsons, on the other side of this break, we'll get into boys' basketball tonight coaches poll in the ap poll for boys basketball top 10 5 epac teams in it spoiler alert so get into that as well as wvu men's basketball as they take on kansas state tonight now back to the sports mix on talk radio wrnr 106.5 fm am 740 and tv 10 we welcome you back here to the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Nick Verzellini, Colin McLaughlin, Dylan Bishop here on the show. We got EPAC Boys Basketball for you here tonight. We do have a schedule change. If you're referring to our original schedule, we were supposed to have Mossman at Jefferson tonight. We do not have that anymore. We now have Spring Mills at Washington boys basketball so schedule change something we couldn't really control but just a change in the schedule here tonight so um looking forward to it either way i think uh washington a team coming in five and three they've had a kind of a tough stretch in terms of uh when they've played top level competition haven't quite lived up to what we saw in the early part of the season but it's still a team with some talent. DJ Bordley, of course, was at Spring Mills last year, so there's that talk, of course. And uh, two um, coaches that are, are trying to build successful programs, and Spring Mills is kind of where Washington wants to be in a year or two under Coach Miller. And uh, I think it should be a pretty good matchup, even with the Cardinals being the more experienced team, the team that's – Probably better. Um, Washington playing at home should be a good crowd, and and we'll see if they can uh, possibly play upset here tonight against an undefeated Cardinal team that's rolling. Yeah, I I think this does feel like number one versus number six in the EPAC, to me at least, but that's not really a shot at Washington. They're still a talented team. I, I do think that Spring Mills probably overmatches them 
in a few ways see you know just going off of what we've seen from washington so far where i think you know martinsburg against the same competition and the skip fowler looked better against that competition than washington did and washington they 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 showed some issues in those games that we saw when it came to just getting the offense going but that was different competition this is conference play anything can happen but i do think that i expect spring mills to be able to win this one pretty handily tonight but if washington makes a game of it then that sure makes things interesting because then we really don't like washington still might be number six in the epac but if they give spring mills a run for their money then we've got a heck of a conference season going on for january and february yeah they still might be six in the epac but i don't know how far down in the entire quad a they are i mean they could still be somewhere between that 11 and 20 spot in the state it's just that the other five in the epac are top 10 in the state Mm -hmm. so it'll be interesting to see washington tonight the last time we saw them there at the skip fowler memorial classic it was two losses lindsley it just seemed like they were a completely better team north eggerstown kind of had their way with washington as well but in both games, it just seemed like sloppy shooting nights for Washington in my mind as well. So if they can improve in that aspect, they might be able to compete better than some people might think that they will against Spring Mills tonight. But on paper, the way that Spring Mills season is gone, you expect them to win big tonight. We'll have to wait and see. That's why the game's played. But I'm looking forward to it. It's still the number one team in the state trying to keep a perfect season alive. And they're a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I think if Spring Mills is on their game tonight, there's no real reason why it should be close. But I also think that Washington's a team that's getting better. They didn't have D.J. Boardley in that Hedgesville game, so I think that played a big factor. He's back. So, you know, there's going to be some interesting storylines with that, of course, since he did play at Spring Mills. And, you know, I just think it it should be a really good game. So, um, even if... Even if Spring Mills ends up, you know, pulling away, I think it could be a good game in terms of if Washington's playing at their top level, maybe they can make it close. But with Caleb Thomas and Xavier Anderson and just the length of this, Lakai uh, Usmith as well, you know, they just have a ton of length and athleticism on the Spring Mills side that make it pretty difficult for anybody. And then complement that with some good shooting and, and some abilities to get to the rim um, and do a lot of different things. You know, it makes Spring Mills just really tough. And, and you're right, they're, they're the number one team in the state, so always exciting, exciting to watch them play. Jefferson Musselman tonight, Musselman in the past, has given Jefferson some problems. We'll see how healthy the Cougars are going at, up against this Musselman team here at home. Um, you know, the shooting of Jefferson and just the offensive firepower gives them a big edge, I feel like, because Melsman's had some games this year where they haven't had great scoring performances like the other night against Hedgesville. So you certainly give Jefferson the edge, but as we know, over the last few years, the team that's been the closest has been Musselman to knocking off Jefferson in the past, and, and they've found ways to play them pretty tough. So with that being said, it's an intriguing matchup. Last year's games weren't that close, but two years ago it was. Um, 
and we'll see kind of where Musselman's at at this point as well because they're a top 10, ten team in the state right now and a uh, highly competitive team as well. Musselman's inside scoring gives them a lot of matchup issues for a good bit of teams, especially in the EPAC with with Wollaston and Mahood. So, and they're pretty well balanced with the guards too. So they're always, they do make for interesting matchups. I'll be you know intrigued to see if Jefferson's healthy or how healthy they are if they're not 100 jefferson's bigs though i mean they're not scorers but they can they can battle they got wilberger down low they got got shively down low those guys are tough yeah i mean they're not gonna get pushed around by muscleman for sure i'm just just in general it is their strength though it is where they would have a bigger edge but i think jefferson has the size that we saw we saw martinsburg was able to get the upset against jefferson when they were down their their two of their guards so if that's still the same lineup that Jefferson puts out tonight. I could see Musselman pulling off the upset. This is a diff- little different. It's a home game for Jefferson, but it's possible for sure. I think if Martinsburg can do it, the Musselman can do it because I generally think of Martinsburg as being just a, maybe a tick below Musselman, but the, they're also evenly matched this year that it's, it's a styles makes fights kind of thing where any team can, really have a chance against any team even if you know let's say um, martinsburg lost to hedgesville but musselman beats hedgesville oh, martinsburg can come and beat musselman it's just it's kind of how the teams are built it sometimes works out better one way or another but yeah if jefferson's completely healthy they can have all their all their players back i would expect jefferson to win this one but that's the question mark we don't really know and you know even if those guys are back how back into the fold are they if it's their first or second game back then they they might not be you know completely at 100 percent, or they might still be a little rusty still so muscleman could get the upset yeah if jenkins and johnson are back for jefferson you feel a little more comfortable picking them but after last week and losing to martinsburg and you saw that lacking that scoring and lacking the ball handling from those two guys resulting in as many turnovers and sloppiness off the dribble, off the passes that they had to allow Martinsburg to take control of that game, you could potentially see Musselman, even though they don't have the same speed maybe as a Martinsburg this year, they still like to press and try to cause pressure on the defensive end, as many teams here in the EPAC do. So without those guys, could you see Jefferson get knocked off again? It's a realistic possibility and it's just unknown. I mean, as you said, two top ten teams here in the state. It's hard to pick. Speaking Sorry. of the top ten, should we go through the top ten? Yeah, I was just looking at uh, some Jefferson because they beat. They did come back and beat Millbrook the next night. So right, uh, but a few nights later, now Millbrook's I down. Put as a team, yeah, as good as but these teams that we're seeing this year. They're still, you know, decent. I don't. Th- I think they. Uh, I'm trying to remember. Okay, they haven't played Musselman this year. Give me the top ten, Colin. But yeah, go ahead and go over the top ten. All right, in the coaches' poll, it is Spring Mills at number one, Morgantown at two, Martinsburg at three, Jefferson at four, Wheeling Park at five, GW at six, Musselman at seven, Hedgesville at eight, Huntington at nine, Bridgeport at ten, and then in the AP poll, that is. 
just started as well. Spring Mills, number one in that one as well. Morgantown at two. Jefferson's put at three in that one. George Washington at four. Willing Park at five. Hedgesville at six. Huntington at seven. Martinsburg at eight. Bridgeport at nine. Musselman at ten. So some differences between the two when it comes to basically everybody other than Spring Mills in the EPAC, but still five teams from the Eastern Panhandle in the state's top 10. We talked a little bit about it last week about potentially being a possibility, and now it's a reality, and it's just crazy to see. And it's great to see because we've said time and time again, it feels like the Eastern Panhandle never gets the respect it deserves. And here we are, five out of the 10 teams in Quad A here in the EPAC. Yeah, I'm more inclined to agree with the coaches poll in the sense that I think you do have to give Martinsburg the credit for beating Jefferson, even though I see where the AP poll would say Jefferson's still the better team because there was those injuries. And I do kind of think that Jefferson, I'm I'm inclined to pick Jefferson in a rematch with both teams healthy. So that kind of contributes there to that difference. But I do think Eh, you played them and you beat them, so you should probably be above them at this point. So, all the rest, of, all the rest of the way, you know, Hedgesville and Musselman where they are, eh, that sounds about right. I think Jefferson's a better team, if I'm being honest. I mean, I think Martinsburg, even though they beat them, it wasn't fully healthy. I think Jefferson has more shooting. A fully healthy Jefferson team, uh, you know, presuming they're on their their A game, of course. I think they beat Martinsburg. I mean, I think Martinsburg's very good, but I just think Jefferson's slightly better. I think they have a little bit more firepower when they're fully healthy. And, yes, Martinsburg did beat them. And, yes, it's a good win. But without Jenkins, without Johnson, it's a completely different Jefferson team. So that's why you do give Musselman even a better chance tonight, I think, depending on the injury situation. But I still think Jefferson can win tonight as well. Maybe I'm just, like, too high on Jefferson. I don't know. But... I mean, it's a fair thing, though. I mean, if they're healthy, you, said, you know, it's if they're missing players, that's one thing. But I mean, they're they're they've been the team the last two years, and it, I just don't see that going away, especially when they have their fully healthy team: right. Jenkins, Gladney, Johnson, all those guys out there. They can shoot really well, um, play very quick, and really match up pretty well with anybody. Mm-hmm. Now, Spring Mills has been the team so far. And when they match up in a few weeks, we'll be there. I'm very excited for that, Jefferson at Spring Mills. Um, you know, just to see how, if presuming both teams are healthy at that point, you know, how that's going to play out. Because I do think, while they have a lot of similar things, you know, the size of Spring Mills and the fact that their big guys can handle the ball pretty well as well makes them kind of elite and possibly the the best team in the state as they've been so far. So that's what puts them, I think, in state championship contention is that they have yep. size, but they also have size that's unique in terms of those guys can, you know, handle the ball really well, make plays for their teammates, and, and you know, dunk in traffic, which you don't see too often at the high school level. Mm-hmm. So um, You beat Morgantown, you're, you're pretty much in there. Yeah, in that I mean, Morgantown's been the team, and they still have Sharon Young, who's a very good player. Yep. So And they still had a few first-place votes in coaches poll even though spring mills beat them yeah i mean hey it was at spring mills maybe if they play in morgantown maybe it's a different game maybe they play in charleston it's going to be a different game i don't know but 
That's the beauty of basketball and the beauty of polls. You can all have an opinion and not even base it off anything. Just say, well, I just like this team more. That is true. Before yeah. we get <laughs> the into eye the test. W- Florida State w- deserves to be in the top ten in the AP poll of West Virginia. Easy there. That makes no sense. <laughs> it's not their fault they don't have a Before we get to top. WVU, got to have some breaking news announcement here for girls basketball. There was supposed to be a game tonight at Martinsburg. They were supposed to be hosting East Hardy. As of 10 minutes ago, that game has now been canceled, according to the Martinsburg High School Athletics Facebook page, putting it out, due to travel conditions for East Hardy. So that girls basketball game tonight between East Hardy and Martinsburg has now been canceled. If we hear anything about Jefferson Musselman or Washington Spring Mills boys basketball tonight, we'll let you know on our social media pages. Hopefully, There is no announcement those games get played. We want to see basketball, especially this year, for how good it's been. And if we do, again, we have Spring Mills Washington tonight now on Talk Radio WRNR and TV10 and WRNR-TV on YouTube. Pre-game coverage around 7 o'clock. Tip-off for varsity at 7.30. Yeah, the good thing is if those do need to be postponed, they'll be postponed and not canceled. So they'll still play at some point, but... Yeah, and obviously you want everybody to be safe. That's the number one concern. And uh, with those games being closer, you know, probably still get played, but we'll wait and see. I mean, they had school today, so that was kind of an interesting decision. And, uh, yeah, anyway, moving on. WVU tonight hosting the Kansas State Wildcats. Yeah, I got a feeling they might get blown out (laughs) again. So... I don't know. K-State's only favored by one and a half. But the Mountaineers, it just, it's been a tough year for them. And the Big 12 is the Big 12. I Titans mean, fire Mike Vrabel? Is that what I just said? Yeah. We'll get into that oh. later on. <laughs> that is yeah, surprising. That is a surprising uh, announcement. But maybe get into that here after this. I know there's not much to really talk about with wv right now until maybe after the game i mean a tough loss to houston but houston number three in the country can they somehow maybe make us think that they'll be middle of the big 12 with a win today instead of maybe the bottom if it's another blowout no not happening not happening you're done with this year i'm not i don't know what the trust the climb version uh the, the version of trust the climb is for the basketball team but i'm not trusting i'm not trusting the climb this year we have football school again is that what you're saying Yes. WVU is a... Never mind. It's a rifling school and a baseball school. <laughs> it's a school that... Can J.J. Weatherholt play any other sports? Have we tried? Have we asked? I don't think so. Fair enough. I mean, Kansas State, they've, they've had some good wins. They beat Villanova. They're not exactly the same, though. They lost to USC in a blowout, lost to Miami in a close game. Beat Oral Roberts, lost to Nebraska pretty bad, but I think they're solid. I think they'll probably beat WVU tonight just based on how the season's gone. But I kind of understand that one and a half point line when you look at some of their wins. They're coming off of a big win over UCF the other night, so played pretty well. Uh, this was you know a competitive game last year, but a lot's changed from last year to this year, and that's pretty much every college sport nowadays. You know you don't really have much care carryover but carryover um but yeah i like i like k-state tonight 
probably by more than that line just because it doesn't seem like WVU has been super competitive against uh, big-time programs this year. That game tipping off at 7 p.m. You can tune into that game on ESPN+. Plus. It's the Mountaineers play host to the Wildcats of Kansas State. Step aside, take another break here on the Sports Mix. This segment brought to you by Orsini's Home Store. Not just an appliance store anymore. Visit them at 360 Hack Wilson Way or online at Orsini's.com. You're tuned into the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740, and TV 10. We welcome you back here to the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Nick Verzellini, Colin McLaughlin, Dylan Bishop here on the show. So, national championship game last night. Didn't play out super tightly. It ended up being kind of a blowout, but a big win for the Michigan Wolverines. They win their first national championship, I believe, since 1997. So, it's been a while since Michigan has sat atop the college football world and they did it with their defense for the most part in their run game. Uh, 300 yards rushing, four total touchdowns on the ground. J.J. McCarthy might be the most game manager quarterback we've seen in a long time win the national championship. I'm trying to think. Uh, the last time we really didn't have a superstar quarterback win it. So that was kind of interesting. It's been a while because you had, like, what, Clemson? Could be a good hot take. Clemson. Not with... really a hot take. More of just a... Clemson with Watson, Clemson with with Lawrence, Alabama. With all the, I guess like with whoever AJ LSU. Jay Coker might be the last one. True. Yeah, I don't know. I have to look up the list of national champion winners to just remember. I think Coker would be the last one that you'd be like, oh, that guy wasn't that good. It was Georgia in 2021. Oh, Stetson Bennett. Well, the last two years, never mind. I mean, yeah, I mean, but he's still, he still had big games in him. Yeah. That's true. He, I mean, he at least threw the ball around and got yards yeah. and yeah. stats where it didn't really feel like J.J. McCarthy ever did that. Even Yeah, he only threw the ball 18 times. Alabama's just – I'm looking at a list of champions, and it's just like Alabama 2017, Alabama 15, Alabama 2012 and 11 and 09, and I'm like, this, these all run together. I'm sure one of those was Greg McElroy. One of those was Jacob Coker. So, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> They do all run together. There was a while where it was Alabama or Clemson every single season, it felt like. And there was those few years in a row where Jim Harbaugh just couldn't beat Ohio State, and they finally figured out Ohio State. Or or maybe you could say that Ohio State... (laughs) (laughs) They figured something out. (laughs) It seemed like Michigan figured out a lot of teams uh, lately. Yeah, what's up with that? I don't know. But once they... I think Ohio State dropped down a little bit. In yeah. talent, I mean, just they think they, yeah, they, <laughs> they, they still had Marvin Harrison Jr., but they didn't have you know Jackson Smith and Jigba, didn't have CJ Stroud. It was really the first run of quarterbacks they've you know first quarterback in a run of a while for them, where it was kind of a oh this guy just doesn't have it yeah because yeah, no, even fair. when it was guys that weren't like NFL quarterbacks, they were still productive players like Braxton Miller, JT Barrett. Cardale Jones, Dwayne Haskins, they were all, you know, pretty successful there. Good college quarterbacks. Right. And uh what Ohio, uh, Justin Fields yeah. too. So 
Those yeah, they just didn't have it. So once Michigan too. got past that, it was, you know, sometimes the playoff is easier for the winner of Michigan Ohio State than than for uh, all the other games. You know. Yeah, I mean, another thing to point out is Pac-12 never won the Pac or never won the national championship. So, well, in the playoff, R.I.P. Error. So Jim Harbaugh is he going to go to the NFL now? Mm, I feel like he is. He's been very like, I mean, he kind of has done it all now at Michigan, and he kind of did what he set out to do. I I think he wanted to go last year, but the Vikings didn't give him the job. Yeah, which he would have been. Or Or was it two years ago? Whenever it was, I think he would have been a good fit. But now that he's had this thing with the the cheating scandal, and also he can say he won a national championship. Yeah, he He did it at his alma mater. You know, say he did did what he wants to do. I feel like it, it, it could make some sense uh, for him to move on. I do think he's a great college coach, and he's a very good NFL coach. So if he wants to make the the jump, um, like we said yesterday, he would be, in my opinion, possibly the top hire. The only concern is he is that older style of coaching. Yeah, I kind of... Um, when I mentioned on the show yesterday, when Colin was like, I want Harbaugh to coach the Commanders. Still do, by do? the way. And when I had that thought, I was kind of thinking of the old school, you know, him running an NFL team the same way they ran Michigan. But he didn't kind of, he didn't quite run the 49ers that way. They had right. Colin Kaepernick. They had Greg Roman as offensive coordinator, kind of ran the offense in the style of what worked for Kaepernick. And I for, kind of forgot that they got to three straight NFC Championship games. Yeah. And then there was that last year when they went 8-8 eight and eight, and he had a falling out and a power struggle with Trent Baalke, which, man, the 49ers chose Trent Baalke over Jim Harbaugh. How's that work? How'd that work out for them? Well, they still got the Super Bowls eventually. But, yeah. It, it took a minute. It a, they, had to yeah, get they had to Jim, They had to get Jim Tomsula in the middle yeah. there, and they had the number, they had, like, what, the second pick in the draft twice, and one of those times they traded down to number three and picked Solomon Thomas. Mm-hmm. Luckily, out there, yeah, but. luckily they had a layup of a pick the next year with Nick Bosa, so. Yeah. Um, the other thing on this, too, I think Hardball would only probably leave Michigan for, like, a really good job. Um, maybe like the Bears where he could come in and, and you know, you have the draft capital to possibly make a splash with that team here pretty soon. The commanders are the second pick in the draft. Yes, the commanders do have the number but two pick. But the Bears pick, have the number one pick in the draft. The Bears have two top. But like, are the Bears going to fire Eberflus? I don't think they are. Mm. Uh, they might. We'll I, think they, I think they would have by now. That's true. But Although we Rabel did just, just see, got fired yeah, we just, now. Yeah, let's <laughs> with, get into like, that. 15 minutes ago, Mike Rabel fired by the – Tennessee Titans after they went what five and twelve, I yeah. think. Yeah, back to back losing seasons, but before that they had four consecutive winning seasons. Six and eleven since they six beat and eleven. Yeah, because they won that. <laughs> who who among us was sitting here with the Titans thinking that the the that it was coaching that was the problem? I didn't think it was the problem. I did think there was a slight chance that Vrabel would get canned because of the back-to-back losing season. I think, yeah, some owners are just less patient than others. Look at the roster. They fired the GM last year after they traded A.J. Brown. Or was it two? I think last year, because I think it was two years ago that they traded A.J. Brown to the Eagles. And then the following year, A.J. Brown went off against the Titans in his revenge game. And I think immediately after that game, the GM, the GM of the Titans was fired, which was very funny. The roster snakes. 
Will Levis isn't that good. He has his, the little potential. He has this, the strong arm and the athleticism, but he's in that Josh Allen mold. He's he's not Josh Allen. I mean, I think the thing with Rabel and, and Arthur Smith as well, they're very much like more of that old style when it comes to their offense. That maybe it is because of the roster and, and some of the limitations, but. They are this run-first football team. Well, you know where Arthur Smith was before he right. Went he's with Falcons. Titans, yeah. yeah, and they still have that, right. you know, that offense. So that still could be that. part of it. Maybe they're like, hey, I mean, we Sean need to Mc- go in a new direction here. But that's kind of how Sean McVay runs a team too, where yeah. you're kind of you know play, you know, run the ball and do play action off of it. Where you know that's how McVay ran things through Goff and still kind of runs things through Stafford a little bit. It's how the Lions are running things through golf. So they're still it's it's they're sort of in that middle ground between, you know, the spread offenses of Mahomes and and Lamar and Josh Allen. But man, I just don't that was not the problem with the Titans, no. I feel like. Although I did I did kind of see one of the last examples of this I can think of was Doug Peterson in Philadelphia. But now it seems pretty clear that the problem with Doug Peterson is that he is Pot committed to getting Press Taylor a head coaching job by letting him be the offensive coordinator and play caller. And that's pretty much what got him fired in Philadelphia because Press Taylor stunk as the Eagles play caller and he wouldn't fire him. And now Press Taylor has stunk this year as the Jaguars offensive coordinator and play caller. And they let go of all the defensive staff instead of Press Taylor. And you have Trevor Lawrence not playing in a great offense, like statistically not a good offense when you have a good running back in ETN and Calvin Ridley and Evan Ingram. So that's another example. So maybe there's some behind the scenes stuff that we don't know about with, with Rabel where it's like he wasn't willing to make changes. You know who's smiling ear to ear that Rabel's gone? New England? Mm-hmm. I saw the report yesterday that Vrabel was interested in going to the Patriots if Belichick left. I see that. And happening. I had the I th- can see that happening. Literally yesterday, well, I think that report came out, and I had the thought of, how's that going to work? Are they gonna, the Titans going to trade him to the Patriots? Nope. No. They're just, uh, they, they just got fired. So I think there's, there's the first domino to fall. If mm-hmm. Belichick's gone, I think Mike Vrabel mm-hmm. is a, a layup of a choice for the Patriots. Yeah, let's take a two-minute break. On the other side of that break, it's Hot Take Tuesday here on this Tuesday, January 9th. This segment brought to you by Hagerstown Ford, revolutionizing the car buying experience. Buy your next vehicle online, they'll deliver it to you. If you don't like it, they'll take it back. Visit their new website, FordHagerstown.com. Now, back to the sports mix on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740, and TV 10. It's Hot Take Tuesday here on the Sports Mix. Nick Verzellini, Conway Lachlan, Dylan Bishop here on the show. All right, Dylan, you're going to lead us off here. What's your hot take on this Tuesday? Gentlemen, we have super wild card weekend coming up this weekend, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. What is it, six games? If Monday's a part of the weekend, then we get off, right? We should, right? (laughs) Anyway, six games. Nice try. Going on. My hot take 
is out of these six games. I'm talking about betting lines when I talk when I talk about this, not by seed, home team or away team. I think three underdogs will win this weekend in the wild card round. Now, if I'll call my shot on them, I think number one on the list is the Rams. I think the Rams go into Detroit and they win. I think the Rams are the better team than the Detroit Lions. The Lions defense stinks. Sam Laporta most likely is out. And I think Sean McVay is going to have the inside scoop. You can just go to Raheem Morris' defensive coordinator and say, hey, this is what Jared Goff doesn't do well. Let's, let's cook him. Just send some blitzes his way. Don't let, him, don't let him get comfortable back there. So I think that's number one. Second one, I think the Texans have a really good shot of beating the Browns as well as Joe Flacco has been playing. They, they, D'Amico Ryan's gotten to play against that defense, against that offense once. C.J. Stroud didn't play in that game. Browns won by two touchdowns in that one. Amari Cooper had 250 receiving yards in that game. I don't really see that happening again. So I think that the Texans looked good against the Colts, and I think that they can win that one. The Buccaneers and the Eagles. Eagles are three-point favorites on Monday night. The Eagles look terrible right now. And I know that the Buccaneers struggled against the Panthers in their game this past weekend. But I think the Bucs have played pretty well for the most of the year. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. I don't know if the Eagles can really guard them that well. Baker's played pretty well. Good defense over there with Todd Bowles. I think that they can pull it off. I think those are my three. And I will say, it's a it's a bad matchup. So I don't think this ends up happening. But I wouldn't be totally shocked if the Cowboys went one and done in the playoffs against the Packers. Packers defense is bad, but it is the kind of defense that you would want that they run to try to slow down the Cowboys. And Jordan Love's played pretty well lately, and he has for, for most of the second half of the season. So that's a fourth potential one. And, I mean, heck, Chiefs? I was about to throw in my hot take from a few weeks ago. I said Chiefs might be one and done because of how many drops they've had. Uh, those aren't the three that I'm, those aren't the ones that I'm picking. But I'm feeling three. I think Phil. three. I think three Phil. upsets can happen. I could see those. Yeah, I Nick, mean, <coughs> let's get your hot go take ahead. Too. Yeah, my hot take on this Tuesday is that Trevor Lawrence is a bust. No, he's not your typical definition of a bust because I would say it's more so compared to the expectations than him actually being like a bust, like uh, Ryan Leaf, for example. Like Ryan Leaf is a true bust in terms of he was the number two pick and he didn't accomplish anything. But Lawrence is like, this guy was supposed to be the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck or Peyton Manning, right? And, And everybody gets that term it seems like every so often. And then it's funny because you listen to guys like Todd McShay or Mel Kuyper and they go, we haven't had a guy like this since Andrew Luck. And it's like, you guys just said that about Trevor Lawrence with Caleb Williams now. So watch out. He might be a bust in terms of he's not going to be the next great thing. But I'm kind of with you on that one. The, Caleb Williams, I'm, I'm iffy on him. And I like Lawrence. I think he's very solid. He's above average quarterback. But is he as good as he was hyped up to be? He was supposed to be the best thing we've ever seen right he's supposed to be the best quarterback in the league at this point and he hasn't made it to that point yet maybe it's coaching but and you can excuse the first year because of the situation with the head coach uh and 
gosh, I can't even remember his name right now. Urban <laughs> um, Meyer. Urban Meyer, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking Les Miles, and I was like, that's not right. But Urban Meyer, yes. That might have been a but better yeah, hire. I don't even know if you put <laughs> Trevor Lawrence top five right now. No, you wouldn't. Insane, yeah. And he was supposed to be the the best yes. quarterback we've we've ever seen. So that from that standpoint, maybe bust is a tough word. Maybe he's underachieving, but it sounds a whole lot better as a hot take to say he's a bust. I'm going to give him a pass for this season because of injuries and because of the issues with the play calling that we mentioned in the last segment. But there's been times this year where he was not very good. Colin, what's your hot take? My hot take doesn't have to do so much with the NFL or the playoffs this week, even though you could kind of tie in any sport. And it's not that hot because a lot of fans have probably been trying to get this going for a while now, but refs need to either be punished somehow, some way, find fired whatever may be for horrible calls or missed calls especially when it comes late in a game and it screws teams to where even after a review it's still wrong for example last night the boston celtics tied at 131 with the pacers in the final seconds a horrible call there late on what was deemed a foul but after review got switched even though clearly buddy healed at the back of Brown's head, and then at the end, at the buzzer, the Celtics get called with, yes, what was a foul. Pacers go on, make free throws, and win. You can't have that. It was obvious. Even after a review, they somehow missed it. And now, probably here in three hours, it's going to come out that they were wrong. Something needs to be done. I mean... You tell him, Colin. It's fair, but... Don't you just love the human error? No. Nobody does. <laughs> what makes Hot take. I like human errors. All right. Final take, 10 seconds here. I got too much into it. For Nick Verzellini, Dylan Bishop, I'm Colin McLaughlin signing off here on the Sports Mix. This is Talk Radio WRNR Martinsburg and TV 10.